Welcome back into another episode of Behind the Bench with Carter Eckle. This is episode 18. I am your host, Carter E. Joining me on the <clears throat> other side of the table is my producer, Jeff Mulvihill Jr. You can find his work on instaimage.com. And before we go any further, we'd like to thank today's sponsor, Double J Auto NV in Gardnerville, or Double J Auto in Gardnerville. You can find them online at doublejautonv.com. Thanks again for being today's main sponsor of the episode. We got a big look at uh, the last week of spring sports. Unfortunately, I have been under the weather since uh, about Wednesday of last week, so I have not had a chance to make it out anywhere. But we also have a couple of uh, Douglas volleyball signings to the college ranks, and then we'll quickly touch on some March Madness stuff because I feel like that's where everybody's head is at, at least um, most of us, I know Jeff didn't fill out a bracket, so I can't, can't say Jeff's in the same boat, but forgive me if you can hear any of, uh, any of the, uh, congestion I'm dealing with here, but going on to some of the spring sports from this past weekend, a big weekend in the track and field circuit. We will get to that in a second, but first let's talk some baseball as Douglas high baseball extends its winning streak to seven games over the course of its homestand. Don't worry. They'll have more home games coming this week. If you haven't had a chance to check them out yet. However, Douglas took down Fallon this week, 12, two on Tuesday. I was there for that one. Spanish Springs nine, three in a league contest Thursday and then beat Mammoth from California 14 to four on Saturday. All three wins coming at home. Like I said, that is now seven wins in a row for Douglas. They're eight and two on the year here to start things off. Keegan Snooks didn't allow in a hit in three innings of work against Mammoth. Uh, he struck out six of the nine batters he faced and Douglas had a five, nothing lead by the end of the third inning and kind of just kept piling on from there. Uh, Gabe Natividad was three of three with three RBIs. Carter Bleeker drove in another two RBIs of his own on a two for three performance at the dish. Gabe Foster, who's been back in the lineup for the last four games has a double triple and a home run uh, in this, I believe seven of 12 from the plate so far back, back behind or now that he's back in the lineup, he was two for two with a double and a walk. Um, he was one of our two athletes of the week this past or this coming week in the record courier. So go ahead and pick up a copy there. I will get to the second one here in a second. Uh, Thomas Young, Ashton Davenport, and Gavin Giffins each tallied a hit as well. Like I said, Douglas now eight and two on the year. They host Dayton Tuesday night. So tonight for uh, us here sitting at the table recording, but likely yesterday for a lot of you guys listening to it, then they will host Lassen uh, again in Minden on Thursday, looking to extend that winning streak as well on the softball diamond. Douglas hasn't played a game since their 15 zero win over Reno last week. However, Mackenzie Willis is our second athlete of the week. She had quite the performance where she struck out 11 while not allowing a run and then hit a two-run home run herself. On the Carson side of things, the Senator baseball team dropped their fifth game in a row Saturday coming against Oakland Tech. They fell behind 5-1 in a nining affair. Ian Fontaine hit a RBI double in the sixth um, to make it 5-2. Tanner Hunt hit a sacrifice fly as well to close out the sixth inning, making it 5-3. Uh, Oakland Tech added a run in the seventh, but and Carson was able to get two back on a Dylan D'Amico fielder's choice, but they wouldn't 
quite be able to make up that deficit. They're falling to 2-6-1 and one on the year. They are back at home Tuesday night against Bishop Minogue. You can find my coverage online at www.nevadaappeal.com. Sports. You can also find all of our Douglas coverage online at www.recordcourier.com backslash sports as well. Moving on to the track and field into things, just quickly run through uh, this weekend in Fallon where Carson and Douglas were both in competition together. A really tight set of standings on the girls' side where Douglas ends up taking the top honors with 93.5 points. Jeff Carson girls finished with 92 points to take second place. So a point and a half off the mark there as far as those two teams go. As we talked about last week, that uh, that pairing on the girls' side could be fun all season. They seem to be uh, really close as a, as a team early, and obviously I know the further track and field goes on, the maybe necessarily a little less it becomes team involved per se as as more individuals start to break out but uh plenty of those to talk about here in just a second but the uh the girls side of things is again very tight between douglas and carson on the track and field and things for the carson boys they were second finishing at nine with 96 and a half points only behind reed who had a hundred and twenty eight points the douglas boys were third with 91 points um like i said reed taking the fallon invitational with 128 and a half points uh, on carson's side natalyn wakeling was second in the 100 meter dash ava brim was third in the 200 Addie morgan and mckenna bud were both second in the 400 and 800 and kaylin bloomfield was third in the 1600 um carson all but two track events had a runner in the top three on the girls' side of things there. Uh, also, you hop over into the 4 by 2 where Brim, Morgan, Wakeling, and Allison Murphy were first place in the 4 by 200 and then finished second in the 4 by 100 Jeff, any guesses as to who they finished behind in the 4 by 100 No. Douglas. Okay. Douglas. <laughs> Again, like I said, tight marks across the board on the, the girls' side of things there. Uh, I, have for, that, I have that read. 100, did you say 126 points versus Carson's was 90? 128 and a half points. So Carson's 96 points. So that stuck in my head of how many first place you have to get to me that far ahead of the second place team. That's crazy yeah that's that's on the boys side of things like i said we'll get there in just a second kai miller set a new personal record in the pole vault clearing 15 10 if you want to be really impressed with uh individual performance that is quite remarkable didn't you say last week it was like six feet higher than the next kid yeah i believe this week it was a it was almost three feet higher than the the second place finisher there so he continues to do Big things there. Um, as I've said previously, he is committed to pole vault at the Colorado School of Mines next year. Uh, he's not the only Carson High graduate heading there to be an athlete. Lucas Taggart will also be golfing there next year as well. Over to the Douglas girls side of things where Jessica James was first in three of her four events for the Tigers. 
she ran a 12.8 and a 26.68 in the 100 and 200 meter dashes. Like I said, winning both of those. She was also the final leg on the 4x100 team I just talked about with Julianne James, Bliss Moody, and Sarah Weaver. They finished in 51.86 in the 4x100 meter relay there for the Tigers. Uh, in the long jump, James was third with a jump of 15 feet, 8 inches. In the 4x8, uh, Moody, Julian James, Haley Kruger, and Kayla Dunseeth were second in the, excuse me, the 4x2, not the 4x8. And Megan Strand and Sophie Marshoot were fourth and fifth in the shot put. I hope I got the pronunciations right there. If not, please reach out and let me know. I know that's something that doesn't always happen, but I would definitely prefer it if somebody were, were to let me know there. Uh, Carissa Bilderback set a new season record in the pole vault clearing nine feet even. She was also fourth in the triple jump. Sarah Weaver took third in the pole vault after clearing eight feet, six inches there. So I think that pretty much does it for our last week of coverage as far as Douglas and Carson are concerned. I know swimming had an off an off week this past weekend, but get back to action this weekend. I'm just hoping that I will be back at a hundred percent here going forward because whatever cold hit me this past weekend wasn't any fun so some people fake sick to watch mark march madness i was actually sick i recommend faking it it's more fun more enjoyable you don't sleep through most of the games which i i did i missed quite a few finishes there jeff i know you said you didn't fill out a bracket remember how i alluded to all of our listeners how the ken palm rankings tend to weed out the the true from the, the fake. Well, nine of the top 12 Ken Palm teams still alive in the Sweet 16. So, so the, the coin flip one. The coin flip one's not not good. Not not good at all. Not good at all. It did get the St. Peter's pick right in the first round. And then it was the only one it in was, the country. Yeah. That did. Well, it also had three 16 seeds going out of uh, round one, which doesn't happen ever. I mean, it's only only 16 seed is, has won one time. And I can tell you where I was when it happened. Uh, but. It was a couple years ago, and it didn't happen again this year. So we do have we do have a one seat out in Baylor. They lost to <clears throat> excuse me number eight UNC uh, this past Saturday, I believe. Um, so so definitely some stuff, some great storylines to keep an eye on there. Obviously St. Peter's, as we kind of alluded to there, into the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, brackets are all busted all over the place. I somehow still managed to be doing all right, but my bracket's not pretty. That's for sure. I, I need. Basically, the only way I win my pools is if Gonzaga and Kansas make the final and Gonzaga wins. That's about the only scenario in which I can come out with the most points of anybody left. And uh, that's pretty chalky, if you ask me. I mean, two one seeds. So we'll see. Uh, I'm not hanging my hat on anything uh, too crazy happening here. But it is March. And uh, we'll see Houston, the f- number five seed, now up to number two overall in the Kim Palm rankings. But... I know you're looking at me like, what is he talking about? So that is, <laughs> that I is, where Houston is. <laughs> so hopefully you guys are all, you know, having fun following your brackets as well. That is obviously something that should never be taken too seriously, given the, uh, the odds in which you hit a perfect bracket, I believe are somewhere in the billions, one in a one in several billion or lots of millions. I think it's, I think it's closer to the billion though. Basically you got to get, 65 no 67 games right they play 68 and so you got to get 67 because there's a winner left so 
yeah, good luck. Uh, if you do that, let me know. Uh, I want proof first and then, and, and then you're more than welcome to come on the podcast and talk about, talk about how smart you are or how good you are at guessing. Either way, you probably will get some sort of attention out of it. If you do have a perfect bracket, I don't, I don't know if I've seen one since I was a kid and there's a kid even younger than me that had a perfect bracket and they put them on sports center. I don't follow it that close, but that would be amazing. I mean, simply amazing. I mean, the, the, the team's falling left and right this year. It's uh, it's always funny that you, you hear people every year go, this is the craziest March Madness. And then you, you got to look at the the formula, if you will, where they just do it based off, you know, you get a point value per seed and how far the seeds go. And I have actually haven't looked yet to this year, but there have been some crazy years in March Madness where just mm. – any seed can win on any given day. You got 11 seeds going to the final four in Loyola who lost in the first round this year to Ohio state. Just, you never know. You never know. And, uh, I will again fall on the sort of not all these college basketball games were, uh, entertaining, but it's all right. The chaos in and of itself makes things entertaining. You don't need the game itself. You only have to watch the final couple of minutes anyways. It doesn't matter if it's 42 to 40 or 78, 75, but uh, if you're planning on watching the whole game, it does help a little bit when it's not, you know, six to eight with eight minutes left to go in the first half. <laughs> but I got a little sidetracked there. Nobody cares about my bracket in particular. I am well aware of that. So we will go back to the high school sports coverage where real quickly we will wrap things up by talking about two Douglas volleyball players who have signed to go on to the next level. Marin Collins will be playing at Evergreen state college and riley Mello is headed to northwest university they are both an hour apart on basically opposite ends of seattle with northwest being on the northern western portion of seattle and then evergreen state college being south of seattle they play in the same conference too so collins and Mello will get to see each other at least twice a year if not more it sounds like they are pretty good friends and they will definitely uh, take advantage of the fact that they are only an hour apart for, for college. Jeff, this is a question I posed to Marin as well, though it's her school. So she, she knew the answer. Do you know what a geo duck is off the top of your head? Cause that is the evergreen state college nickname mascot. Take your pick. I should know this cause I'm a Pacific Northwest kid, but I was from Oregon, not Washington, but I have no idea what a geo duck is. It is basically a very large saltwater clam. A it's gooey duck, a bird. No, it is not a. It is not a bird. It is not a duck, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> it is more of a more of a clam. Uh, a gooey duck, I believe, is the their correct terminology. I don't know. Just I'd never heard the nickname geo ducks before. Especially and I was, one that's inland, not on the coast. Uh they're they're pretty coastal. I mean, Seattle's pretty coastal. That whole that whole area is that was that what you meant? I think of the coast as the Pacific Ocean crashes on your shores not in some bay but i'll give it to you yeah i mean you're from the bay area <laughs> just I, being in oakland still, not count as being the, in the ocean well oakland's a little different because it sits up high and you can kind of get it oh, okay shot okay, from okay. The, yeah know, yeah through the yeah the yeah there, okay but we're getting into technicalities now apparently jess just not very familiar with seattle is really the 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 point I'm getting at, but they will <laughs> Marin Collins and Riley Mello will be in the Cascade Collegiate Conference or the CCC, where they will meet twice a year. It's funny enough. Uh, 
last year, the two programs met in volleyball. Both matchups went to five sets, and the road team won both times. So two fairly even programs from from the looks of things there. But a cool little little feature to do there. It was, it's always fun to be at those college signings. Um, once again, sometimes I'm not always made aware. So if I'm not at your particular college signing and it's nothing uh, personal, sometimes I'm just not made aware of those things. Most of the time, though, coaches are coaches are very good about that. And uh, I know those are stories people always want to read. That was in this past Saturday's Record Courier, as well as up online at www.recordcourier.com backslash sports. But I think that's going to do it for episode 18 of Behind the Bench with Carter Eckle. Thanks for listening and bearing with my hopefully not too congested voice here as I get back to 100%. Thanks to today's sponsor, Jeff Mulvahill of instaimage.com, as well as Double J Auto in Gardnerville. Once again, that is doublejautoenv.com. You can check them out online there. Thanks again to everybody for listening, and we will catch you guys next week. Next week.